Please pray with me. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to you. I need thee, almighty God, to you all hearts are open all desires known. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and magnify your holy name. Through Christ Jesus, amen. <clears throat> you may not know this about me, but I'm not much of a people person. That might be hard for you to believe. You're probably saying, but Peter, you're so nice. You're so charming. You're always smiling. Of course you're a people person. The laughter you hear is from people who actually really know me. There are times I get upset in a store or with one of my kids' teachers. My daughters will say, Oh no, here we go. Please don't be a Karen, Daddy. Please don't be a Karen. So I struggle finding the strength to understand the actions of other people. Passing judgment is so easy. It takes no effort, no self-control. Pause for a moment. Think about a situation where you are dealing with something scary, challenging, uncertain, and or painful. Now think about all the people that responded to you in that moment. How did they approach you? Did some people keep their distance? Did they act like you had something contagious? Was there awkwardness, tension? How about the people who brushed, you, brushed off your experiences and feelings and acted like it was no big deal. Have you heard these words? You're overreacting. Just let it go. Well, you have it pretty good. I've heard worse. You're not praying hard enough. If only you had more faith. They're in a better place now. Oh, you'll be fine. There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head it is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine, I will listen, fine. It's just, 
sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just. Perhaps you can relate to what you just watched. Sometimes we just need to listen and try to understand what someone is feeling. We need to be empathetic. This is not to be confused with sympathetic. Empathy is related to sympathy, but it is much more narrow in focus and much, much more deeply personal. Empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. It is the ability to recognize understand and participate in the emotions of others. Empathy isn't just a mental action, it's also emotional. It is a dance between thinking and feeling that moves in unison. True empathy is a feeling of actually participating in the suffering of another. So how does scripture demonstrate what empathy is? Let's start out with a story found in the Gospel of John. In this story, Jesus has just heard that one of his closest friends, Lazarus, has just passed away. He's just made a long trip to comfort Lazarus' family. Lazarus' sister, Martha, encounters Jesus, frustrated that he didn't show up in time to heal her brother. Mary, Lazarus' other sister, also joins them. Let us continue this story from chapter 11, verse 32, which can be found on page 873 of your pew Bible. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dad, dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God. So then, so they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, 
but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. Consider this for a moment. Because we know the entire story, we understand that Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was aware that this was not the conclusion of his narrative. Jesus did not try to talk Mary and Martha out of their pain, nor did he blame them for their lack of faith. Instead, Jesus observed people who were hurting, and it made him hurt. He empathized so strongly with those who were weeping that he wept with them. In everything he did, Jesus showed empathy for others. In fact, I'd go so far as to say he is the very embodiment of empathy and compassion. Jesus had compassion for those who were vulnerable, sick, confused, hurting, blind, grieving, hungry, or unable to carry on. Again and again, it hurt, it hurt his heart to see people choose evil and devastation over the way, the truth, and the life. As I mentioned, empathy is something I struggle with, and I'm not alone. When preparing for this sermon, I read several scientific studies. One said that only one to 2% of the population naturally empathize. Some studies say that genetics play a role, and a great deal of the literature states that it is something that is learned. Mirror neurons are the greatest example of innate empathy. If you're not familiar with neuro mirror neurons, you should go home and Google it. It's fascinating stuff. Mirror neurons are the neurons that react when we see the physical pain of other people. It's like when you watch America's Funniest Videos and you go, ooh, oh, ah. You really take on the physical pain of those other people. In order to take on the feelings and the needs of others, the kinds of needs and feelings we can't see, I believe we must be fully aware and present to better empathize. And we have to build an awareness and a willingness to learn from our mistakes. My first year of teaching, I had a student that cried out for attention every chance she had. She was always about the drama, constantly stirring up trouble. What I didn't take the time to understand was that this young lady was hurting. A year or so before I became her choir teacher, her brother had passed away. The trauma she had experienced when she lost her big brother was greater than any that I could understand at that time in her life. Instead of taking the time to listen and be there for her, I chose to ignore her trauma. I chose to believe she would never rise to the level of my expectations, that my choirs were more important than her individual needs. I focused on her, on her inability to conform instead of her love for singing. 
I think about her often. I wish I could go back and rewrite this wrong, repair the damage my lack of empathy likely caused her. I know that my need for healing in this situation may, not, may open old wounds for her, so I have not tried to contact her. As of now, I am choosing to try my absolute best to not repeat the same mistakes. I've spent the last 20 years learning to do just that. Now I get to work at Cobb Middle School as a coordinator of behavior interventions. My job is to listen to students and teachers and to help them develop the skills they need to build relationships and deal with conflict. Jesus' life and ministry teaches us that empathy can mend wounds and forge new bonds. How often do we, with good intentions to help someone we love, miss chances to ease their suffering? How many opportunities to show compassion do we pass up every day because we don't see them for what they are? In his first letter to the church, Peter encourages the believers to cast all their anxiety on God because he cares for you. God cares for us. If we are created in God's image, shouldn't we care for one another? What I'm asking of you is hard and requires a great deal of effort. And empathy is hard to find outside these doors. There are so many forces working to tear us apart. In a sense, life has become a sport. It's all about winning. Us versus them, left versus right, red versus blue. We have stopped empathizing with people with differing opinions. When was the last time you turned on your favorite cable news channel and witnessed the talking heads empathizing with the people they disagree with? I recently attended an eight-week training called the Big B Method. The Big B Method is an approach to nonviolent communication designed by Cindy Bigby. You may know Cindy, she lives here in Tallahassee. It's basically a class on how to practice empathy I highly encourage you to consider taking this course. It was a lot of work, but a very valuable experience that requires a great deal of practice. It's not something you can easily put into a few words, but I'm gonna try anyway. First, when we are helping someone through a crisis, providing support for a loved one, or in the middle of an argument, we must be present fully present in the moment, free of distraction. This is really, really hard and something we practice. Next, we may need to take a moment and wait. Wait and unpack what we just heard. Sometimes we will hear things that sting. We will want to judge them, and honestly, that's okay, but it must be kept inside your head. Our judgment is a conversational response not suited for nonviolent communication. Tom Borland is one of my greatest mentors, and the best wisdom he ever shared with me was this. People want to know they are being heard. Respond to them with, what I hear you saying is. 
This is also the next step in the Big B method. The response after listening and waiting should be a retelling of what you just heard. After you have listened and observed, we should express how they must be feeling. For example, so what I hear you saying is you had a really long day at work and your boss was nasty to you. You must be feeling tired and unappreciated. Stick to the feelings, avoid trying to relate with something like, well, if you think that was bad, wait until I tell you about my day. The next step is to take needs guesses. You must be feeling tired and unappreciated. It sounds like you need to get some rest, and you may need support at work. Does that sound right? After you have observed, waited, and assessed their feelings and needs, you can respond. In this scenario, you might say something like, would it be okay if I offered you some strategies on communicating with your boss? It is most helpful if you have their permission before you respond. Now, I gave you an overly simplified explanation of nonviolent communication, but by taking these steps, we can improve our relationship with our friends, families, and neighbors. And I'd like to add that as you learn and practice being empathetic towards people, you must also open yourself up to receiving loving kindness for yourself. Now, I know you've all been wondering about this picture behind me. You might not see it as art, but this made a huge impact on my life. A friend of mine took, his, took this picture on a trip to Uvalde, Texas, just a few weeks after the mass shooting that took place there. He described to me the emotions he experienced walking through low-lying piles of flowers, toys, stuffed animals, and cards. As he continued on this walk in contemplation and prayer, he saw a cross that stood taller than all the rest of the memorials. He walked over to the cross and took this picture. But when he walked to the back of the cross, he saw a poem by Tabitha Vargo nailed to the back. Please don't cry for me, we're okay. We went on a field trip today, a secret place where there's fun to be had, and the teacher is with us, so we won't be bad. It's full of toys and rainbow slides and cotton candy and high cloud rides, a fun zoo of different things. I even saw a man with wings. We're not alone, so don't you fear. We're chaperoned by Jesus here. It's really nice, so I think I'll stay and hold your spot till your field trip day. When he shared this image with me, it broke me down into tears. It was that very moment that made me realize I needed to stand before you this morning to share this message about Christ-like empathy. From my training and work as a teacher, behavior interventionist, and foster parent, I know how much potential empathy has to change the lives and to change lives and make the world a better and safer place. 
I want to be part of the change God wants for this world. If we learn to treat our neighbors, all of our neighbors, with the love and compassion Jesus shows for us, tragedies like the ones memorialized in this photograph will become a thing of the past. Once we embrace our mutual brokenness, we can find our shared community. Friends, it is my prayer that we rise up and live out what Paul says. If then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Let us carry the mantle of Christ's love, empathy, and compassion to the rest of the world. Let us meet people where they are and listen, feel, and embrace. For love is love is love. All we need is love, love, 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 love. All we need is love. Amen.